I couldn't let it go. Come on. Where's, where's Thomas at? Galatians 6, 6 through 10. Galatians 6, 6 through 10. Entitled this word tonight, Sowing and Reaping the Indisputable Law with Three Realms of Application. Sowing and Reaping the Indisputable Law, Three Realms of Application. Galatians 6, 6. Let the one who is taught the Word share, share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. There's a contrast between corruption and eternal life. Verse 9, And let us not grow weary of doing good. Why does he say that? He must say that because it happens. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, or at the right time, we will reap on this condition if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good. To who? Everyone. But especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's our text. All right. This is a text that gets abused by some charismatics, but I'm not going to let their abuse rob us of the truth of the text. All right. A practical ongoing truth is put down here in our text. Well, quite frankly, that can be applied for the rest of your life. Uh, this principle is true. This law is true. Yeah, we can put it in some different jargon if it helps you. But the farmer sows corn and he reaps. It's a softball, guys. Corn. He doesn't sow corn and reap apples. Sows corn, he gets corn. The, so- the farmer sows wheat and he gets it's not hard, guys. It's not jeopardy, you know. Come on. He, he reaps wheat. Yeah, it gets a little more complicated. I'll answer the next ones. The parents, parents, moms and dads, sow laziness and they reap spoiled children. The Christian sows gluttony and he reaps physical destruction. The Christian sows worldliness and he reaps a life of chaos. The Christian sows nothing into those who teach, and he reaps Laodicean rebukes. The Christian sows nothing in the Spirit, and he reaps a barren tree on Judgment Day. My thesis is short. Returns are given 
for what one has invested in. You don't get returns for something you didn't invest in. So what you've sowed into, that's where the reward will come from. It can be good or bad reward. Three rims of application. Ministry, holiness, and good deeds. Three rims of application for sowing and reaping. Ministry, holiness, and good deeds. Ministry, spiritual and material. Spiritual and material. What is the responsibility of those who are taught? Everybody in the room has a responsibility because you're being taught the Word of God. Whether in Sunday school, whether in the sanctuary, there's a responsibility that is laid upon you why would there be a responsibility? Why, why is there responsibility on the learner? Because the thing that you're receiving has infinite value. And if it has this kind of value, then you cannot steal it. You cannot unappreciate it. You cannot disdain it or throw it away. You cannot disrespect it and dishonor it. If it's of such value and you turn your nose up at it, this is very blasphemous unto God. Our text says, it's a weird thing. It says, let the one who has taught the word share. So let all the weird charismatics with all their weird philosophies at least study the text. The text says the, re- the learner or the receiver of truth is to share comes from that word you've heard before, the Greek word koinonia. It's just that it happens to be the verbal form, uh, koinoneo. It's the verbal form of fellowship or to share. You can say to give, to contribute. I've got something and I want to share it with you. This is the learner, receives something of such value that he takes what he has and shares it with the teacher Because that's what God's Word says to do. In Philippians 4.15, Paul said this about the church at Philippi. Paul said, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership. That's the word for share. No church was willing to share with me when I started this ministry. That's what he says to the church of Philippi. They they didn't enter into partnership with me in giving and receiving. Paul's like, I taught, they shared nothing. I taught, they shared nothing. And then he says this. What a word. He says to the church of Philippi, except you only. The church of Philippi shared with Paul. They did what they were supposed to do. Now, we must ask the question, what is to be shared? It seems like when you get to sowing and reaping things, especially in charismatic realms, all they can think about is money. You give money, you get money. That's kind of their philosophy. I'm not sure if money's even in this equation necessarily. I think it could be implied for sure, but I don't think that's the main agenda here. What is to be shared? This is what I know from my text, good things. That's what's to be shared, right? Look, 
the one who is taught the word shall share all good things. I suppose that could be money, but it could be coconut cream pie. I'm not sure which it is, but if it's good and you have it, you ought to share it with the teacher. <coughs> if you want the word in some other context, it can possessions, treasures. But let me give you these real, real briefly. In Luke 153, he has filled the hungry with good things. Or in Isaiah 119, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Or in Luke 12, 18, he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns. I'll build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. You know, if you want to put all that together into a nice little slogan, good has to do with provision for another person's life. Provisions can mean a lot of things. Provisions can mean money. Note, write it down. Provisions could mean encouragement. Provisions could mean time. Provisions could mean a lot of things. If you have a word of encouragement, please share it with the one who teaches you. If you have something that you possess in appreciation for the teaching, share it because that's what God has commanded the hearer or the learner to do. Who is it? to be shared with. Well, the text is clear. It's to be shared with the one who teaches. That can be a Sunday school teacher. It can be a nursery worker. It it can be any realm in the church where someone's teaching and you recognize and receive the teaching and you share back with them because you appreciate the value of the truth they have given to you. The one who is sowing spiritual truth into your soul. The one who is accountable for your soul. Those are the ones you should share with. The world says, ah, we don't want to give that preacher nothing else. Look, don't listen to the world. Share with the preacher. Share with the Sunday school teacher. Share with those who would give you truth. Share what? Good things. You say, well... Is there any responsibility for the teacher? I mean, what is he supposed to do? I'm just giving you a buzz list. We could talk about these too long, but he is supposed to labor. He's supposed to study. I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be praying for your soul. I'm pretty stinking sure he ought to be preaching the Word of God week in and week out, in season and out of season, no matter what happens. I'm pretty sure he should teach when he has opportunity to take and set aside time to teach people the Word of God. I'm pretty sure that he must counsel even in difficult situations. I'm pretty certain that the teacher ought to bear burdens even when they're too heavy for him to bear. And I think the preacher ought to live. And he ought to live as an example. And he ought to live consistently. And he ought to live godly. And he ought to live humbly. Somebody in the world says, well, my preacher's not doing that. There's means for confronting an elder who's in sin. But if he's doing these things and living these out, you ought to share with him. And I think the preacher ought to love people. You don't love people, you got no business in the pulpit. If you can't weep before your people, you got no business preaching. If you can't rejoice with your people, you got no business preaching. It's an emotional job we do, and you should be able to relate all the emotions. You want somebody that was emotional, Christ was emotional. Christ wept. 
Christ interacted. Christ, I believe, laughed in some occasion. Christ had emotions. They come out if you study the life of Christ. But for the preacher, there should be a genuine concern for the flock of God. There should be a genuine desire for their good. A genuine desire for the flock that he would say, here's what I want more than anything on the face of the earth. I want you to endure to the very end. I want you to make it, and I want you to make it walking with Christ. That's what he ought to do. And if he does that, you ought to share all good things with him. Now, regarding deception, as our text says that, do not be deceived. So there's a temptation here that I'm deceived. In context, I'm deceived, and I come to a position that I don't have to share nothing with the teacher. To, to be deceived. Proceeding forward without a sense of proper direction. To go astray, to be misled, to wander about aimlessly. I would say to you, do not justify your disobedience of not sharing good things. Do not justify your disobedience to the rule of sowing and reaping. Do not justify your disobedience by self-exaltation. Do not justify your disobedience by misunderstanding the value of teaching for your own soul as less important than good things. It's strange what people do and how they justify it. Do you know how much money is spent per family in order for people to have phones and social media. But I'm not about to share anything with my teacher to help him because if I share with him, he'll get the big head and he'll think he's important and I don't want to destroy him by sharing with him. I'm just telling you what people say. I'm just telling you what goes on in the life of the church. We don't want to be too kind to the teacher because then he'll think he's important. Won't you let God worry about that? It's interesting because he then says, God is not mocked. God's not mocked. What does the word mock mean? You can't turn your nose up at him. You can't treat him with contempt. In Luke 23, 35, the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed or mocked at him. Or in Jeremiah, Jeremiah says, everyone mocks me. You say, what are you trying to say, preacher, in regards to God is not mocked? To reject, to disobey, and to belittle God's command is to mock him. Look, my text is not complicated. If somebody teaches you spiritual truth and invests that truth into your life, you are commanded to share good things with that person. And you say, I'm not sharing. Then you are mocking God. You're saying, I'm not doing it, God. I don't care what you say. I lift my nose, I raise my hand, and I say, no, I'm not sharing with him. It's not worth my time. That's mocking God. God's not going to be mocked. Now, we're reminded of truth here. What you sow is what you reap. If you sow good things into the life of the teacher, then you reap 
spiritual substance for your soul that is beyond the value of material things. This is the key element of where the charismatics have lost it. Their whole theory is, you give money to me, and then you'll get more money. That's way too low. It's way too low. Okay, give money to Kenneth Copeland, you'll get a million dollars. That's it? I need something more. I need more substance than a million dollars. I need more than a lottery ticket. I need something with value. I'm going to share with my teacher because I need truth invested in my soul where I can be healthy. You see, if you would share, then you benefit your own soul. If you boil this thing down to money and giving and taking money, you're missing the depth of truth here. You miss the value of the truth that is sowed in your life. You share with your teacher in order that your soul would profit. And the more you share and the more your soul profits, everybody wins. It's not so material and reap material, but so good things and reap the truth for your soul's sustenance. Application, just two points, very briefly. To receive good food for your soul and not share good things with your teacher is no different than going to El Paseo and eating good food and walking out without paying for your meal. You're just a thief. And there are people that come through this church every week and they get good food and they pay nothing for it and they share nothing for it and they don't even feel guilty about it. But God knows. God knows. Now, also this point, to serve, this is on the preacher now, so revert backwards, To serve bad food, bad theology, bad doctrine, lack of study, winging it and telling jokes to impress people. To serve bad bad food to the people of God and then receive good from them is like selling a bad product for a high price. So it can be wrong either way. But when it's done right, the teacher brings good food and those who receive the good food share and everybody benefits. That's ministry, spiritual and material. Secondly, holiness. And this has to do with flesh and spirit. It's verse 8. So look there quickly in verse 8. Very clear. The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The contrast, you sow to the spirit, you'll reap from the spirit eternal life. (coughs) Now in regards to sowing to the flesh. We've already talked about this, the fruits of the Spirit. We're back in chapter 5. But let me remind you (coughs) of what the Scripture says in Galatians. In Galatians 5.13, he said this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Use your freedom to gratify flesh. But through love, serve one another. Galatians 5.24, Those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Galatians 5, 16 and 17, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Then you won't gratify the desires of the flesh, 
For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. So these things have already been taught to us in Galatians. And so let me remind you just some elements or key elements to what sowing in the flesh sounds or looks like. I don't think this will be hard for you to grasp that these are dangers. What types of seed do we sow for the flesh? Well, you say, well, you say the same thing every week, preacher. Well, it's because this continues to be an issue. You sow seeds to electronic media. You spend way too much time on Facebook. You know you do. That's why you never have the memory verse memorized because you're too busy reading Facebook and you don't even remember what you read. You, you spend way too much time on gadgets and things and you've got to have drama in your life because you don't know how to survive if everybody would just be quiet and it wouldn't be about you. And you get all worked up and all this drama world is just sowing seeds to your flesh. Sow seeds of wasted time. How much time is wasted in our life in order to gratify our laziness? Seeds of an undisciplined life. Seeds of busyness. Most every Christian you talk to, busy, 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 busy. Why? Why are you sowing to your flesh? Why do you get involved in everything under the sun? Why do you have to be everywhere? You can live without being busy. Seeds of material idolatry. Got to have this, got to have that, got to have the other thing, the other thing. Seeds of entertainment. Seeds of carnal relationship. And then, of course, seeds of vices that the world has to offer without end. We sow in all those areas, and then we like, Pastor, I don't understand what's going on with me. I don't understand what's going on in my family. I just don't seem to have the same zeal I used to have for the Lord. I don't know. What have you been sowing? I don't know. What, what have you been planting in your life? What's the consistent pattern of your life? Maybe there's a connection to your time, your interest, and your flesh, and your lack of spiritual zeal, maybe they're connected. And maybe you're plateaued spiritually or going downhill spiritually because most of your life is sowing into the things of the world to gratify your flesh. My text says that when we do this, that we reap something. And the ESV says we reap corruption destruction. What does it say? Corruption. There are five definitions for the word corruption, for the Greek word corruption. You need to hear all five of them. They're very short, but it is enlightening. Now, the first one won't enlighten you much. Breakdown of organic matter. That doesn't help me. Deterioration. Okay, fine. The second definition Destruction of a fetus, abortion. Sowing to the flesh is taking your own life. Abortion. I'm going to abort my life, and the way I'm going to abort me is sow to the flesh. Ruination of a person through an immoral act. Inward depravity. Number four. Number five, a total destruction of an entity, destruction in the last days. I'm going to gratify my flesh knowing the truth is that I'm killing myself. I'm going to purposely kill myself because my flesh 
demands it. I'm going to keep doing all of these things that I know are distracting me from God because my flesh loves it so. I'm going to keep doing this even though spiritually I am drying up, withering, and about to die. That's the picture. The opposite of that picture is sowing in the Spirit, or sowing to the Spirit. In the Scriptures, the very short Scriptures, I'll just give you a pieces of them throughout Galatians. For through, the, for through the Spirit, by faith, walk by the Spirit. If you're led by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, if we live by the Spirit, all of these things have been taught in this book. It's so important for the Christian faith. We sow into spiritual things. Again, we get a list. We make the list long or short. We sow seeds of meditation. We meditate on the glorious truths that we read when we read our Bible daily. We sow seeds of memorization, and we take God's Word, and we memorize it in our, in our heads, and it moves down into our heart, and we memorize the Word of God. We take seeds of reading the Word of God, and we just keep reading and reading, and we lose count how many times we've read through the Word of God, but we just keep sowing to the Spirit by taking the words of God and reading them day by day, and week by week, and month by month, and year by year, Because these words that we're reading is sowing to the Spirit. Seeds of prayer, seeds of joyful service in the church, seeds of gospel ministry in the world, seeds of worship, and seeds of repentance. We sow those things throughout our life. You say, what do I get for that? Eternal life. Eternal life. That's what you get. Do you see the contrast? You can get abortion or life self-death or eternal life I can get an absolute destruction of my being or the fulfillment of my life for all of eternity the problem is not that we can't figure out the text the problem is is we have an extremely hard time of saying no to the flesh but it's exactly what you're going to have to do if you want to live. You want to live? You want to live life to the full? Even if you watch Secondhand Line and the plane's upside down and they die and they say, yeah, they really lived, they did not live. The only way you can live is so to the Spirit. Then you get eternal life. Transcendent, superior, excellent, supreme, heavenly life. The life that is reaped is eternal in duration. It includes the now and the not yet to come. No matter what happens in daily life, the indisputable law of sowing and reaping will be made a reality on the day of judgment. In application one point, Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.8, it's a great word. This is what he says. For while bodily training does have value. It does have some value. Godliness, godliness, holiness, it's of a value in every way. And it holds promise for the present life and for the one to come. So there's some advantage to bodily exercise, but not nearly as profitable as it is for godliness and sowing to the Spirit. Number three, so we did ministry, we did holiness. Number three is good deeds. Reaping 
and sowing. Verses 9 and 10. See it there in the text. Now, this is a battle with flesh and spirit, so the next word makes sense in verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good. You can get weary in a lot of good things. But if in due season we will reap, if, that's the condition, we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. Here's our warning tonight from our text. Don't become discouraged. Preaching it to the pessimist, right, from this morning. Don't become discouraged. Don't do that. Don't lose your motivation in continuing in a desirable pattern of conduct or activity. Don't lose your enthusiasm. Don't do it. Don't be discouraged. I know how it works. I did this, and this happens. I did this, and this happens. I quit. I washed dishes. Nobody said thank you. I'm not washing no more. I took out the trash. Nobody saw me. Nobody thanked me. I'm not taking out the trash no more. I shared the gospel. Nobody got saved. I'm not sharing the gospel no more. I taught Sunday school in this church for 10 years. I'm done. I've done all my work, and nobody rewarded me with nothing, so I quit. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Don't lose your enthusiasm. Why would you quit? All of those things and a billion more that I would list, you should be doing those things because you love the Lord. You should be doing them because they're good things. And if you do them your whole life and nobody in the world honors or gives you anything, don't you worry. Because when you stand before the Lord, it'll all be worth it. You're not to become discouraged. Not discouraged in doing what? In doing good. Doing good, doing stuff that's useful, stuff that has a moral quality, stuff that's praiseworthy, anything that contributes to the salvation of another soul. Doing good things, good in the way God defines good. The implication is that doing consistently good work to the Lord without seeing an immediate harvest, it leads a lot of people to quit. I cannot even begin to count the number of people in this church just in my time here who've quit in the sense that I've already put in my time. Let somebody else do it. That's the warning. And then here's the promise. If you don't give up and you don't get discouraged and you keep doing what's good, sowing what's good, if you keep on, Here's what the Bible says, in due time, in due time, in one's own time, at the right time, or should we say, in God's time, you will reap. Now look, I didn't work on the farm long, but I worked long enough to know this. They planted 4,000 acres of seed on the farm I worked on. Now it's like 6,000 plus. And you know, there were years they didn't get rain. And the harvest was so skimpy, you could drive the combine up and down the field and make many, many passes before you filled the hopper. And you almost spent more fuel than was worth the seed you put in the hopper. 
It's like, you didn't get nothing for all. They cultivated, they, they fought the bugs, they fought the geese, all these things. And then at the end of the year, they got nothing. You know what they did in February? They sowed again. You know when that went on several years? And then after the drought, then they had a year where everything was flooded and they couldn't get in the field to do the harvest and they lost most of the crop. You know what they did the next February? They just planted again. And they just kept planting. And that guy's still down there, still planting. Why? Because if you don't plant, you surely ain't going to reap. Well, what are you going to (laughs) reap? It depends on what you sow. Sow to the flesh, corruption. Sow to the spirit, eternal life. So I would say as James 5, 7, and 8 says, be patient. We'll be in such a hurry. Oh, wait, that was Mike Stockwell. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. I wasn't making this stuff up. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Being patient about it. He's patient until he receives the early and the late rains. You also, you also, be patient, establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Know that to be true. Then keep sowing to the Spirit. In due time, you will reap. Now, there is a condition. I told you there's a condition. It's here. I can't skip it. If we do not give up, if we don't become exhausted, if we don't become weary, if we don't give out, we don't throw in the white towel and say, I quit. People say the following in regards to service in the local church. I've done my duty. It's time for others to do something. I put in my service. Let young people do something. I worked hard for years. I got no credit for it. I'm done. I always do everything. It's time for someone else to do something. You can't use those lines to justify the ceasing of sowing what is good in the regards of what God has called you to be a part of. You say, I need a biblical example. Thanks for asking. Caleb is 85 years old. Give me this mountain. At 85, he is still as courageous as he was when he was 40, and he's not going to quit until he has the mountain that God promised. And whether you be 85, whether you be 25, that's the position. I'm going to keep sowing what is good and doing good deeds until I make it to the promised land. Remember the context. Share good things with those who teach you. Sow in the Spirit and do so to the very end. And Jesus says this, but to the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Be faithful. I think about that guy writing the music to my faith has found a resting place and he dies writing another poem. I want to be found like that. I always thought it would be a great thing if I just fall over dead in the pulpit. I just, want, I just want to be still doing what's good until the end. If you've lost your desire to press on in sowing in the Spirit, all I can tell you to do is repent. 
and ask the Lord to strengthen you for the task at hand. There's never a time that there's not good things we can be about. If you're about to give up on the church and its teachers, ask the Lord to give you a great love for your leaders and to renew your passion for the things of the Spirit. In conclusion tonight, when it comes to the flesh, it's amazing the extremes people go to. Things people do for exercise are off the charts. The things people do to obtain material possessions is beyond comprehension. The things people do to be able to go on vacation are mind-boggling. It is time that Christians obey the Word of God and so to the Spirit with great sacrifice to the flesh. It's the time to put to death the deeds of the flesh and live unto the Spirit of God. Live a life, church, that sows purposefully into the things that matter to God. And when the harvest comes, you will not be disappointed in what you receive. Perhaps, whether it be the widow lady or whether it be the young buck that's full of energy, perhaps you will stand before the Lord and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. So good things and see if God does not cause you to reap eternal life. Father in heaven, I thank you for this word. It's a good word for all of us. It's a good word for me. Lord, we're so tempted to look at past things we've done to justify what we don't do today. Lord, help us to embrace each day one at a time. That we would wake up tomorrow if you grant us tomorrow. And we would look at tomorrow and say, what can I sow to the Spirit today? No matter what the past has been, no matter if I'll ever see Tuesday, what can I sow this day for the glory of God and for the good of my own soul? May we die to the flesh and may we live to the Spirit. We pray these things tonight by the Holy Spirit and we pray them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.